On today's program, we're going to discuss five ways to quickly identify a false teacher. You don't want to miss today's program. Stay tuned. Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Vaughn Henshaw. Welcome to our program today. We're going to be discussing five ways that we can instantly identify and spot a false teacher. And I want to lay a little foundation here for us before we get into this. Uh, T.D. Jakes, a very well-known word of faith, charismatic, Pentecostal, prosperity gospel false teacher says that God eternally exists in three manifestations but not three persons well to the normal biblically illiterate church member that sounds all right but he denies the Trinity okay Creflo Dollar says that we are created in the image of God therefore we are little gods Kenneth Copeland and Joyce Meyer believe that Jesus died spiritually on the cross, <laughs> excuse me, meaning that he became demon-possessed while on the cross, went to hell, burned in the flames of hell, and became born again in hell. That's false doctrine. Okay? Mormonism teaches that Joseph Smith received a new revelation and new scriptures via the golden tablets that the angel Moroni led him to in the hillside. That's false teaching. Roman Catholicism says we are justified by faith, but not faith alone. And they add in Mary, the prayer to the saints, and the Pope being the vicar of Christ on earth. All of that is false teaching. Okay. So how do we know what is true versus false doctrine this is a main question i get all the time i want to show you a book now you'll see here in my little writing under my picture here it says von henshaw the word of truth broadcast restoring the integrity of the bible teaching arminian based theology well what that means is this there's five points of Calvinism which I adamantly refute and rebuke and oppose. I'm not Calvinist. I'm what you call Arminian, which I believe that's what the Bible teaches. There's five points of Arminian theology, which we believe that man has a free will. We're not robots. We believe man has a free will to choose Jesus Christ or to reject Jesus Christ. And having said that, 
I'm going to show you a book, Free Will Baptist Doctrine, by J.D. O'Donnell. I want to highly advise you to get a copy of this book. I believe you can go on the Free Will Baptist website and purchase this book or contact them down in Nashville, Tennessee, and they will show you how to get a copy of this book. It's, in my opinion, the best book on Bible doctrine that I know of, and I've been a Christian since 1978, and uh, I've been in the Assemblies of God, I've been Pentecostal Holiness, and those doctrines are way off. And I say way off. For the most part, Assemblies of God have good doctrine, but I don't recommend their doctrine books because they will mislead you. And this right here is the best balanced biblical doctrine book that I've come across in my life and in my ministry. That's why I recommend it to you. All right, so here are the five tests to determine true doctrine from false doctrine. Number one, the test of origin. Two, the test of authority. Three, the test of consistency. Four, the test of spiritual growth. Five, the test of godly living. Let's start with number one, the test of origin. Sound doctrine, now listen to me. Uh, sound doctrine, sound fundamental orthodox mainstream Christian doctrine that's been handed down to the church, to us, through the prophets in the Old Testament and the disciples in the New Testament and the early church fathers who authenticated what they determined as true from false doctrine based on the canonicity test that they used. Okay, So based on all that foundation, Sound doctrine as we have it today originates with God. False doctrine originates with man or Satan. The Apostle Paul went to great lengths to convince the church in Galatia that the gospel that he taught was not his own. He didn't make it up. But it was God's doctrine. He said, Therefore I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It's not my gospel, he was saying. For I did not receive it from any man or woman, nor was I taught it by any man. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ there in Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Paul did not make that stuff up. He received what he wrote, what he taught, through divine revelation, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called inspired infallible, authoritative words of God. Yeah, God used men to put pen to parchment to write it, but the Holy Spirit superintended that and inspired that and authored the words of God. It's very critical to know that. Even Jesus Christ was clear that he taught only what God had instructed him to teach there in John 7, 16. He said, my teaching is not mine, but his 
who sent me. So true doctrine originates with God, who's the true source of all truth. Titus 1-2 says this. So just as true doctrine is marked by its divine origin, false doctrine is marked by its worldly, carnal, sensual, ungodly, selfish, other than Christ origin. Paul warned the Colossian church to avoid certain types of doctrine. That is according to human precepts, human reasoning, human intellect, and human teachings. And he told Timothy that some will even depart from the faith, the true faith. This is where my Arminian-based theology comes in. Calvin uh, didn't have any room for Christians departing from the faith. But uh, Timothy said some will depart from the true faith, Christians, by devoting themselves to deceitful evil spirits and teachings and doctrines of demons. We're seeing that played out in uh, our day to the T. So it is this simple, ladies and gentlemen. Sound teaching originates with God and the Holy Spirit. False teaching originates with men and demon spirits. And when it comes to doctrine, if man made it, then we are not to hold on to it. We're not to teach it. We're not to follow it. We're not to support it. God is the father of truth. And Satan, according to John 8, 44, is the father of lies and deception. So the test is this. Does this doctrine that you're hearing through your television, through your radio, in those books you're reading, does that doctrine originate with God? Or has it been fabricated by someone or a demon? So this leaves us with an obvious question. How can we know the origin of a doctrine? Sometimes its origin is obvious, but other times it's cloaked in a very clever deception and lies that's hard to determine, hard to discern. So when we are uncertain of a, a doctrine, we turn to our second test, which is the test of authority. Now the trick is this. All those television preachers, they used to name Jesus. They used the same Bible that I do. This is where the second test of authority is going to really come into play. Okay, so the second way we can spot a false teacher is called the test of authority. Uh, sound doctrine grounds its authority within the scope of the Bible. False doctrine grounds its authority outside of the Bible. The Bible is God's inerrant, infallible, inspired, sufficient, complete, and authoritative God-breathed revelation of himself to humanity. Doctrines that originate in the mind of God are recorded in the Word of God via the authorship of the Spirit of God, 
as the Spirit of God moved upon men of God to write God's thoughts down in book form, which we have today. So there's a clear and a concise and a necessary correlation between the test of origin and the test of authority between God and His Word. And we can think here of the Bereans, Acts 17:11, who examined the Scriptures every day to see if those things were true, to see if what those Bible teachers were teaching them was true or false. You need to write down Acts 17, 11. Do that every time you listen to me or to any other Bible teacher. Base what we say on sound doctrine. But again, you have to know what sound doctrine is. That's why I encourage you to get that book a while ago from the Free Will Baptist organization that gives you a complete, concise, systematic book of sound doctrine. So, the Bereans, they knew uh, that all doctrines must be compared to God's Word in context, which is His source of truth. Truth is not what I say it is. Truth is not what you say it is. Truth is not what the White House, the Courthouse, Schoolhouse says it is. Truth is what God's Word says it is. Plus nothing, minus nothing. So Paul praised the Thessalonians for their careful assessment, analyzation, and acceptance of his teaching because they understood his teaching as divine authority. It says here in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, and Paul is talking to them, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of Almighty God, which is at work in you, believers. So sound doctrine originates in the very mind of God and is recorded in the word of God as his self-revelation to man. So here's the test. Does this doctrine that you're hearing appeal to the Bible for its authority? Or does it appeal to another scripture or another person or another thing? So I can, uh, another concern is still yet to be answered here. Because two teachers may both claim the authority of the Bible while teaching very different things. This is why we have hundreds of different denominations. The Wesleyan scholars say they're right. The Pentecostal scholars say they're right. The Baptist Calvinist scholars say they're right. The Arminian scholars in my camp, we say we're right. So how can we know whose interpretation of the Bible is the correct one? Now, this is where we turn to the third test, which is consistency. But before we get there, I want to pop in these little tidbits of information. Hundreds and thousands of years ago, a couple thousand years ago, they had what was called as a canonicity test, not thousands of years ago, but a few hundred years ago. These theologians came up with a canonicity test. 
how to test what scriptures, what books were to be included in the Bible. Okay, so there's three tests in the canonicity test that they underwent. Number one was the bibliographic test. Number two was the internal test. Three was the external test. The bibliographic tests uh, examine the quantity, the quality, and even the time span, the historical span, between the old, oldest copy of the manuscripts and the original writings. So we have to take all of this into consideration. The internal test. What claims does the Bible make about itself and are they true? Can they be proven to be true? And this is where textual criticism and all of this comes into play. And the answer to that is yes. All the internal uh, writings of Scripture have been tested and tried over the ages, and they are true. And then the external test. The Scriptures constantly refer to historical events. They are verifiable. They can be proven. Okay? So the canonicity test answers these questions. Is the Bible authoritative? That means, thus saith the Lord. Yes. Is it prophetic? Men of God spoke under the inspiration of God's Spirit. So yes. Is it authentic? Consistent? This is going to bring in test number three. Is it consistent with other revelation of truth in the Bible? So here's where we compare Scripture with Scripture. And is it dynamic? Demonstrating God's life-changing power. Yes. Look at the Gadarene demoniac and others. And is it received, accepted, and used by believers on a universal scale? The answer to that is yes. That's a little bit a brief synopsis of the authority of the Bible and the canonicity test that the scholars of old went through to give us the 66 books that we have today. Now, I know there's other Bibles that have 80 books, and the original King James Version had 80 books. I'm not going to argue that point, but in our Bible, we have 66. The 80 was considered inspired. We'll leave that for another show, but for the sake of argument today, we're sticking with the 66 books. All right, now this is the third way to spot a false teacher. This may be one of the the very best way to spot one. Again, you must know sound doctrine in order for any of this to work. The third test is that of consistency. I want you to pay special close attention to what I say under this test. Sound Bible Christian doctrine is always consistent with 
the entirety, the whole of Scripture. False doctrine is inconsistent with certain parts of the Scripture. For example, those in the Word of Faith and Prosperity false gospel, East 3 John 2. God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. See, there it is. God wants us to prosper and be healthy. Or Isaiah 53, by his stripes you're healed. See, God wants us healed. And then they'll take a little, what, what, what you do? They cherry pick scriptures out of their context and they violate every principle of biblical hermeneutics and exegesis to find the scriptures to go along with their false doctrine. This is how cults are formed. So in sound Bible doctrine, listen, there's always a sameness, a familiarity, a foundational thread to true doctrine and a very strangeness and unfamiliarity to false doctrine. False doctrine cannot be substantiated, validated, or confirmed by other scriptures in context. It is completely unbiblical to take one verse of scripture and try to make a doctrine out of it. You can't do that. Listen, doctrine is created by the conglomeration of other scriptures interpreting scripture throughout the whole word of God to form a one solid, sound, fundamental, orthodox, mainstream Bible doctrine. For example, the blood of Christ saves a man, cleanses a man from sin. Where do we get that doctrine? Go all the way back into the Garden of Eden. God killed an animal, covered Adam and Eve in the skins. That all symbolizes Adam and Eve being covered in the blood sacrifice. Okay, That blood theme continues throughout the whole Old Testament, which points to Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross. For without the shedding of blood, whose blood? Christ's blood. And then there's no forgiveness, no remission, no pardon uh, from sins. So you just cannot take one verse here, one verse there, and try to make a doctrine out of it. That's what all cults do. That's what all false teachers do. But they do that because they know that most people do not know sound Christian doctrine to begin with. And most people will go along with anybody as long as they mention the name of Jesus and read from the Bible and all of that. So the man who wrote the letter to the Hebrews warned his congregation about diverse and strange teachings. And Paul warned Timothy about accepting different strange doctrines. Both of those passages are meant to emphasize that Christian doctrine must always be compared to the already established, accepted 
body of truth, which we call creeds. Christianity is built upon three creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Athanasian Creed, and the Nicene Creed. Those are the established bodies of truth, a doctrine that's been handed down to us since the church formed over there in the book of Acts. So those who are knowledgeable about the body of truth, the doctrines, will be in the best position to immediately, instantly identify and refute false teaching. So this test number three, the test of consistency, it's tied to a, a theological principle called the analogy of faith, which is often explained with the phrase, Scripture interprets, Scripture, don't ever forget this, Scripture interprets Scripture. Whenever we hear an obscure passage of Scripture like 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Whenever we hear a teacher trying to make that obscure passage into a doctrine, red flags go up because we know, those of us that know sound Bible doctrine know that's not sound Bible doctrine. There's no other passage of Scripture in the Word of God, in context, that supports that heresy. So we know immediately that's false. When they say, by His stripes you're healed, we know immediately the Bible does not teach that everybody's going to get healed physically. We know that's false doctrine. Whenever we hear a teacher say, you know, once you're saved, John 10, 29, no man will pluck you out of the Father's hand. You're eternally secure. You're eternally saved. There's no way you can lose your salvation. We know based on the other scriptures in the Bible, that is false teaching, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So if the Bible originates in the infallible perfect mind of God, and it does, then it must be consistent throughout. Okay? Because there can be no contradiction in the mind of God. Subsequently, there can be no contradiction in the revelation of God and the doctrines of Christianity. If there's any contradictions, that sends up red flags. What the Bible teaches in one place it cannot refute or contradict in another place. If it does, we need to investigate that to see why. Because the Bible is not wrong. Our perception is wrong. Our teaching is wrong. So therefore, any true doctrine must be consistent with the entirety of the canon of scriptures, the whole Bible. Doctrine must never be treated in isolation or by itself, but always in the light of a correct understanding of the entire Bible. False teachers, this is what they're known for. They teach isolated verses with isolated ideas and isolated doctrines that cannot withstand the scrutiny of the whole Bible. Okay? 
So once we have tested doctrine and found it to be true, there's about 16 fundamental doctrines in Christianity that I'm aware of. Once we know those 16 doctrines, we know they're rock-solid true based on the whole canon of Scripture, the whole Bible. Okay, according to that criteria, according to that foundation, then we can also see why it is sound doctrine, why those 16 doctrines are considered sound and fundamental. And we can also quickly discern the false doctrine that's being taught to us. But we must know those 16 doctrines first. So the fourth way to determine and discern a false teacher from a true teacher is the test of spiritual growth. Sound doctrine is beneficial for spiritual health and well-being. False doctrine leads to spiritual weakness. After instructing Timothy, Paul told him this. I want you to pay attention to this. 1 Timothy 4, 6. He said, if you've heard these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ being trained, and that word trained there means nourished, in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you followed. So Timothy had trained himself in the Bible and Christian doctrine, and he had nourished himself, he had fed himself spiritual bread and spiritual water from the Word of God in that truth uh, since he was a child, and he had never stopped. It was a constant feeding, a constant source of nourishment from those sound Bible doctrines. You know, I can't say this often enough. I may have never shared this on here, but I'm going to share it now. My father was a Baptist minister. He started out a Southern Baptist. He got a new insight through reading the book the Word of Truth by Dale Moody. Through that book, my dad became a free will Baptist minister. Every night, from the time I was seven, six, seven years old, my dad got saved when I was uh, almost six. Went off to Bible college and graduated, became a minister. Pastored seven churches prior to his death. Every night, till I turned 18 years old, we had a one hour from seven to eight every night, except Sunday nights, Bible devotional, where my mom and dad would read to us, and we would read certain portions of the Bible, and he would discuss that with us, and he would instill in us Bible doctrine. I cannot tell you the immense help, spiritual help that has been to me over my whole life. And that's never stopped. I've always fed and nourished myself in the doctrines and in the Word of God, not knowing that when I become a man, that the Holy Spirit would lead me 
into the apologetics ministry or I would be exposing all these myriads of crazy false doctrines that's in the world today. So through the continual nourishment of the Word of God and correct doctrine, uh, this ongoing dining and feasting on God's Word, Timothy had grown spiritually healthy and strong. He was a strong man of God. He had accumulated a thorough knowledge of God and God's Word. And this is why Paul called him a man of God with sincere faith. Timothy's constant nourishment and sound doctrine from the Word of God made him the strong man of God that he was. Listen to me. Sound Bible doctrine makes us spiritually healthy, vibrant, mature, knowledgeable Christians. It makes us warriors for Christ. False doctrine makes a person spiritually unhealthy, immature, unstable, and biblically illiterate. And it also opens you up to carnal desires, worldly desires, sin, and worldliness. False doctrine, I'm going to go ahead and say, opens a person up to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and demon spirits. This is how crucial it is to know sound Bible doctrine, so that we will not be swept away by every wind of doctrine coming down the road. So the fifth way to discern a false teacher is the test of godly living. Sound doctrine has value for godly living while false doctrine always leads to ungodly, unbiblical living. Let me explain this to you. Truth, gospel truth, true truth. Now understand, every cult, every false teacher has their own version of their truth, which they call the truth. That's why I'm saying the true truth of the true Jesus, of the true gospel, never stands on its own. But it always has ramifications and implications in our lives, in our lifestyles, in the way that we live. Doctrine is always meant to lead to doxology of worship and purpose in life, and it leads to leading a separated life from the world and the flesh, a life of holiness unto God, a life that's pleasing unto God not sinless perfectionism, but a life of holiness, righteousness, a life that wants to serve, honor, worship, obey, and please Christ. So, Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable, watch this, for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Now watch that. Training in righteousness means trains us how to live righteous. That the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So scripture is not to be known 
in an abstract sense, in a subjective sense, some abstract sense, but it's intimately known. We are to digest, meditate, digest, study. Let the Word of God nurture us. It is to inform not only our minds, but our hearts and our hands as well. It's to educate our minds and to translate us into the image of Christ. So it's to educate and to translate. It's to educate and to transform. Mold us into the image of Christ. Paul charged Titus, he commanded Titus, to teach what accords with, what lines up with, sound doctrine. Reminded him that such doctrine is excellent and profitable for people there in Titus chapter 3. So what accords with sound doctrine is its far-reaching implications and applications into our lifestyles that makes us, causes us, and propels us to live holy lifestyles unto God. That's the result. We read the Word of God, number one, to know it, number two, to let it, cha to let it change us to becoming more like Christ, Christ-like. Okay? Sound doctrine has this value. It is profitable in teaching us to live as we ought to live, to live the way the Bible tells us to live. Women, you're to dress modestly. Men, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Parents, you're not to physically abuse your children, Ephesians 6, provoking them to wrath. You can discipline them, but with a balance. Right? Come out from among them, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. This is what the gospel doctrine does. It teaches us, trains us in righteousness. It teaches us how to be good to our neighbor. That brings glory and honor and praise to Christ. Truth has not been really grasped until it has been until it has been lived out in the Christian. Until then, it's just head knowledge. And many of you who are watching me now have a head knowledge of the Bible, but it's never got down into your heart. You've never allowed the Holy Ghost to transform translates your heart into becoming more like Christ. Sound doctrine profits us by training us to live in a way that ultimately pleases Christ. False doctrine, on the other hand, weakens us by training us to live in a way that displeases and dishonors God and disgraces God. False doctrine leads us in to worldliness and carnality and flesh and sensuality and immorality, sin. True doctrine leads us away from sin. False doctrine leads us into sin. All right, as I conclude today's program, what we have to do 
in order to sabbat, a false teacher. Notice the picture that I put up on this video on the YouTube channel, a wolf in a rifle crosshairs, because that's what we're doing. We're scoping out, we're sabbatting uh, false teachers in this teaching today. The way we do this is we take all five of these tests, the test of origin, authority, consistency, uh, canonicity, which is under consistency, uh, the test of spiritual growth, and the test of godly living. We take all of those and we base that. We compare those things that I've taught us today against what the teacher that we're hearing is teaching. Let me bring this over right here. Let me use an example. Let's say that we are hearing a, <laughs> excuse me, a teacher. No, we don't know that he's a Word of Faith teacher, a Prosperity Gospel teacher, but say he's telling you that man, he or she, is telling you that man is a little God. Well, we know if we know these five tests, if we know sound doctrine, we know that's wrong. They teach that Jesus died spiritually, meaning he became demon-possessed on the cross. We know that is absolute heresy. We know positive confession is not a doctrine taught in the Word of God. God wants us to be rich and wealthy. We know that's not a doctrine taught in the Word of God. Divine healing and the atonement. We know these are not doctrines consistently taught in context according to the principles of hermeneutics and exegesis. I will say that slower. Hermeneutics and exegesis. None of those five doctrines in the Word of Faith cult are taught in the Bible. Now they'll rip scriptures out of context to make them fit their little doctrinal agendas but that doesn't make it true. This is how we know true from false doctrine. All right, so let me make an analogy. The sole purpose, or the primary purpose, of a doctor is to evaluate a patient to declare him fit or unfit. Now, the patient is fit when his whole body is functioning properly, healthy, free of disease or malady. The job of a Christian, and especially us Christian ministers, is to evaluate every doctrine to declare it fit or unfit. John Stott said it like this, quote, Christian doctrine is healthy in the same way that a human body is healthy. For Christian doctrine resembles the human body. It is a coordinated system consisting of different parts which, which relate one to another and together const, uh, constituting and consisting of different parts which relate to one another and together in a harmonious whole. If therefore our theology is maimed with bits missing or, or diseased with bits of it being distorted then therefore it is not sound or healthy doctrine." End quote. So doctrine that passes these five tests is sound doctrine. 
It is pure, holy, godly, and undefiled. It is sound doctrine. It is true doctrine according to God's true standard of truth, which is the Word of God. Okay, so as I close today's program, I want to encourage you to once again get this book, Free Will Baptist Doctrines by J.D. O'Donnell. I'm not getting any money uh, for advertising this book whatsoever, just so you'll know. But this is the best doctrine book that I've come across in uh, my 44 years of being a Christian. And in this book, you're going to learn about the doctrines of God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, man, sin, uh, God's relationship to his creatures and to his creation, salvation. You're going to learn who can be saved, uh, the doctrine of perseverance, uh, the doctrine of man's free will. You're going to learn about the gospel ordinances, uh, the resurrection, uh, the rapture, the second coming, uh, the purpose of the modern day church, and foreign and domestic home missions. All of this you're going to learn from a balanced biblical standpoint, what the essential Christian doctrines are. And once you get this book and read it, study it, and get to know the basic fundamental Christian doctrines, you will be very hard to fall into deception through a false teacher once you get this as your foundation. Thank you for being with me on the program today. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would lead us all into the true truth of the true gospel.